there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps, and the players bump, and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. Okay, welcome to Vegas Hockey Hotline, powered by Station Casinos and the STN Sports app. That's not Stevie Slapshot. I'm Dana Lane with, from the Brian Blessing Studio. Kind of. Doing okay over there? I'm doing great. You? I'm all right. Okay. Hope Steve's doing well. I'm hoping so, too. Well, we appreciate you coming in, Justin. And uh, can't wait to see what the musical intro will be. At the 30-minute mark. Yeah. I think I know. I think I'm going to destroy it. (laughs) (laughs) See, I appreciate it because I've asked Steve. I said, hey, man, you know, what else we got over there? Well, we got Fleetwood Mac. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's let's push it it a decade forward. Yeah. Anyway, appreciate his help. Anyway, uh, yesterday we talked about the new arenas and casino. Uh, that was announced. There will be two groups. Uh, one looks to build an arena and a casino out on the south end of Las Vegas Boulevard, out by Blue Diamond, where there's tons of room. And I, I look at the where the Oakland Raiders Stadium is, and I look at the parking issue. And again, I know the economics of everything and why it's there. Uh, but man, there's a lot of room just going south, and I think people will be able to find their way out there as well. And then, of course, the Jackie Robinson, who probably, I'm just guessing, for a decade now has been trying to get all that arena up. And every time you think that's not going to happen, it, it, he comes back and said, yeah, we're moving forward. But I, I've been in this town almost 30 years, and I do know, you know, my rule is when you start pushing dirt around, that's when I believe it. And not that it's a pessimistic attitude as well, because this is, as you know, a very can-do city. But there's a lot of people that you know, want to come in here and kind of get a piece of, of the Las Vegas sports landscape. And you know, some things happen, some things don't. But for me, I get excited about the real project, so I don't want to continuously get excited about something that might not happen. But uh, a man that has been all over Las Vegas airwaves that I found out today. But he is full of information, and we appreciate him uh, spending some time with us today. Let's welcome in from LV Sports Biz, Alan Snell. And Alice, or Alan, please help us to understand why it is we need another arena, who's going to pay for it, and where it might go. Hey, Dana, how are you doing? Yeah, Good, buddy. Yeah, this one definitely caught my attention. Uh, it surprised a lot of people, this proposal, because you brought up a, a valid issue. Is, you know, does this market need another major arena uh, along with a casino, amphitheater, hotel, et cetera? So, um, you know, that's a good question. The, um, obviously, to, to make this arena work, Stan Lewicki, who is an arena developer, I mean, he did redevelop the key arena into the uh, the Seattle Kraken's uh, facility. He's going to have to get an NBA tenant. And as he mentioned, there's no guarantee that he will get an NBA team as a tenant for his building. And, you know, as we saw with T-Mobile Arena, it's a busy building. They do really well with sales. 
they have the Vegas Golden Knights as their tenant. That's 45 guaranteed dates a, uh, a year. And, you know, a really interesting um, question is I'm kind of curious if MGM Resorts is working just as hard to try to get an NBA team for T-Mobile Arena as they did maybe a few years ago. You know, as you know, uh, their former CEO, Jim Murin, was always talking with Adam Silver. Always. When the NBA Summer League came into uh, Las Vegas uh, in terms of trying to recruit and lobby Silver for an NBA team for the T-Mobile Arena building. But, you know, let's face it. I mean, if you're a major league team, I would think that you would like to have a building to yourself. So I'm guessing Bill Foley probably would prefer, you know, maybe not have an NBA team in his building because there's always, you know, issue of dates and what have you. So, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to, um, I would, I have not interviewed Tim Lewicki yet, but I would love to ask him point blank, you know, to what extent, you know, do you have insight on whether the NBA team, NBA, well, I mean, they'll obviously eventually come to Las Vegas, but if you build a 20,000 seat arena, you know, would your building get the NBA team? Well, and that's it, isn't it, Alan? I mean, it, it definitely comes down to that. And and if you look at the NBA now, there's a you know plenty of teams that share uh, sh- share arenas with their hockey team. And we we know Boston does, and Philadelphia does, and Chicago. I mean, Denver. Yeah, Denver does. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, Washington does. I mean, there's yeah, you know probably at least half the league. I mean, it's not some uncommon thing where NHL oh, teams no. or NBA teams are unwilling to do that. You know, the interesting thing about the location of the site, uh, also what's interesting about this whole thing is that there's so many layers and subplots to this uh, entertainment district slash arena project, Dana, because we have the resurfacing of uh, good old Mark Bedane, the former president of the uh, Raiders. He was really the public face. Which is interesting, yeah. Uh, Yeah, he was definitely, he was the public face of the Raiders stadium project for four to five years here in Las Vegas. And also, don't forget, uh, Lewicki was, is the former CEO of Ann Schultz Entertainment Group. And guess who owns T-Mobile Arena, uh, along with um, right. Bill Foley and MGM Resorts, good old AEG out of Los Angeles. So that's kind of a little intriguing subplot. And don't forget, his partner at uh, Oak View Group is Azoff, who used to be very connected with Madison Square Garden, which is building the Sphere music venue behind the Venetian. Uh, you know, so that's uh, that's yet another subplot to this thing. So, but there's a lot uh, of you know, the one thing. There's a lot of, not to interrupt you, Alan, but isn't there a lot of tentacles to this? And maybe it's something that even Bill Foley himself is involved in. And maybe the MGM has said, well, this is really not something we're interested in anymore, which kind of pushed this group uh, to move forward. But at the the third tentacle is maybe MGM's still very interested in this, and it's going to be a fight to get this NBA team. Yeah. You know, a kind of an interesting issue about this project, Dana, is the location. Entertainment districts work, I think, when you have a big uh, concentration of, of people who are um, getting to places by, by their own feet, by walking. And it is a little removed. I don't think people are going to walk. I mean, Mandalay Bay is, the, you know, is really pretty much the final property on the strip there at Russell. 
uh, it's not a close walk from Russell down to, to the Blue Diamond to this location. So, you know, obviously it's not really with, I mean, let's face it, I'm not sure too many people will be walking from the Strip Hotels down to this particular location. So it's going to have to be really rely as a destination location. Another really interesting layer to this is the fact that it's right next door to the proposed right line train station where um, a couple guys are uh, where West Edens is considering um, trying to build an, a major league soccer stadium right next door to this thing. So that's another interesting project. I mean, if West Edens actually build like build a bright line terminus along with a soccer stadium, then you can start to get some, you know, synergy with an entertainment district slash arena project. But it's going to have to be a car-oriented destination, buses, what have you, because really, for like I said, you know, that's that's kind of a little issue that kind of was a red flag to me is that if you're going to have one of these, you know, L.A. Live-style entertainment districts, it's usually in an area where you can get a lot of pedestrians to walk to. Well, true statement. Uh, On the flip side of that, it seems like the outlet mall parking lot is completely filled. seems like Town Square is completely filled. And and I know that... Right, but that's... Right, those folks are getting there by car. So, you know, the interesting thing about T-Mobile Arena and the stadium is that (laughs) there wasn't a lot of new parking necessarily built for those facilities because they relied on... Um, people walking from their existing hotels. I mean, the stadium is as much a tourism destination as it is a local football stadium because 40 to 50 percent of the people going to those football games are visitors. So, you know, they're they're walking over the Hacienda Bridge. Uh, T-Mobile Arena is a great location. That 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 building is shoehorned in there between uh, New York, New York. You have the parking garage, you know, all around there. So. This location will definitely have to be a car destination uh, property. I don't, but you know that's the thing about you know right now people do enjoy the strip in terms of like kind of walking from place to place. Um, I'm not quite sure you can walk from the, from the strip hotels down to this particular uh, site at uh, Blue Diamond and yeah, Las no. Vegas Boulevard. No, you, you definitely can't, but but you know that the percentage of, and again, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but uh, the percentage of people from out of town to go to Golden Knights games have 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 dropped from the first year. I mean, the bread and butter of the uh, bread and butter of this, Alan, is it still not local fans that are going to ultimately support this in year four and year five, and they all have cars and they're able to get there. I I don't know. I understand. The difficulty, I think, if you're trying to draw from the, you know, the 38, 40 million people that come here on a yearly basis. But I think, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I don't see the difficulty of finding an Uber or Lyft. In fact, if they could expand um, and somehow use Sinatra, and I I know it's, you know, curls around there uh, near Mandalay Bay. So that becomes a little bit of a mess. But, you know, I mean, they've built ramps before. Uh, when the stadium was being built, I mean, if they could use that to get down there or maybe a dedicated lane to get there, I mean, I would think people could find their way there. And, oh, by the way, you only have to, you know, fill up 18,000. So I think you're going to get a ton of people here locally to go. 
Yeah, it's going to be built as a destination, so people will find a way to get there. I think, you know, obviously, the bigger question is, you know, the place probably will need an NBA team to be economically feasible as a yes. tenant, you know, in much the same way that the Golden Knights fulfill that, you know, for T-Mobile Arena. And also, um, we got a, we got a, we have a 17,500-seat uh, venue, the Sphere, that's going to be coming online in the second half of 2023. Right. And... And like Wiki has specifically said that, you know, you, you know, they need it. They want an NBA team, and they're also going to have music. I mean, they want, they need live music acts, so they're going to compete against the Zephyr and also the T-Mobile Arena. So, you know, that's also going. To, you know, you you raised a good question right off the from the get go. You know, does the market need another twenty thousand seat arena? Don't forget, you know, you know the uh, the Raiders Stadium has been drawing a lot of musical uh, performances as well. So, and and they bring up, they bring in a lot. Of, I mean, they, they just had the I think the Country Music Awards show at the Raiders Stadium. Yeah, so, yeah, the Metallica, it, they a, Joel. I mean, it's it, it, yeah, yeah, I mean, the Raiders a ton. So, so, so you you already have Raiders Stadium bringing live music, uh, Timo Arena, obviously. Um, and then the sphere, the sphere is going to be Madison Square Garden music based. There's not going to be sports here. It's, it's supposedly all music. And that way, have we been discussed? You know, um, MGM Grand Arena, <laughs> of and, course. You know, and, and yeah. some of the other places like uh, I guess the old Mandalay Bay, Michelob Ultra Arena now, and yeah. and and good old Tom Thomas and Mac. So you know, it's a uh, it, 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 you know. It's a good uh, economic marketing question is, you know, um, can this uh, arena survive if you do not have an NBA team as its main tenant? And I don't think it can't. Uh, we're not even talking about, you know, Zappos Theater. We're not talking about Caesars, which houses music. I mean, Zappos, we've seen, you know, numerous residencies. We've seen Scorpions there now, and Def Leppard's been there. And, you know, they've had a lot of hard rock acts, which they seem to really like there. Uh, and not only that, you're getting down, you know, you see the Stratosphere putting on uh, putting on shows now with, with Sticks and Sammy Hagar's there and, and Venetian. I mean, all these, it's not just an arena battle. It's in a battle, and oh, by the way, the Hard Rock probably would like to have some events there at some point. I just don't understand. I don't think, Alan, I think this just comes down to, and even when we're talking about you know Jackie Robinson's place, I think it just comes down to where is that NBA team going, and, and wherever it goes, then we can build outside of that. If an NBA team is not going to be in, in the arena, the, the fill – a, a, a good amount of dates, then I just don't see how that arena is needed at all. Right. And this is something that is getting going um, a little beyond our scope of the discussion, Dana, but I have friends who are, have been kind of like, you know, they read my stories on another arena being proposed and their response is, you know, our market is, you know, it's not a top 10, top 15 population market. It's a, you know, 30, 35 kind of market. And we have other issues like schools and we have other issues about people, you know, getting healthcare outside of the market because we don't have the proper doctors and medical services here. So, you know, there are other public issues at play that are needed besides, you know, building a, another $3 billion entertainment complex right. in our market. So, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to get the conversation kind of like off on a tangent, but we do have to kind of look at this project 
within the broader scope and the context of a market that is struggling with schools. I mean, the, you know, every every other week you hear another rating about you know Las Vegas, Nevada, you know, falling really low in the rankings in terms of schools and, and resources, and also health and medical services. Dana, that's kind of a big issue too. I I do have friends who have to go out of state for specialized for sure. medical uh, medical care, and also. You know, you know, if you want to be, you want to play in the major leagues, well, guess what? We have like housing cost issues going on too. So, you know, guess you know, guess what? We we're facing like major league problems. I mean, you know, in terms of the rental costs soaring and and uh, the housing stock not keeping up with the population boom. So, you know, I mean, I, I respect that. You know, obviously, live entertainment slash sports is the economic driver of our economy. But there's also other public needs and social needs that have to be addressed as well. Right, but that money wouldn't be used like they like, and it's not like Oakview Group would take that money and they're deciding between an arena and putting it into uh, local education. No, that's that's true. It's not like, and, and you know, we do have to say from the top that they're not right now. Um, Lewicki's not asking for public money on this project. So, I mean, they, they have mentioned that it is privately financed. I'm kind of talking more in a broader philosophical sense about yeah, the priorities sure. of the market. But you could, you could really, I mean, outside of education, because there's a rank, I mean, you could you pick the city, and I can show you which, you know, what area that money would be better suited in. And we, we could go all day talking about education because I'm very close to that as well. But I think, you know, if you... I guess we'll get into this. We'll say, okay, well, you know, if you're generating more local tax money, perhaps that will filter into the things that you think are are more important. I, I don't know how that all works. Um, I do know this that you know they passed a marijuana bill here that was supposed to go to schools, and uh, to this day, I don't think a penny has dropped in the doorstep of any school. So I, I don't right. I don't know how that is. It had a whole, all that plays in. I, I'm not, especially when we're talking about education, I'm not sure throwing money at a problem at that particular problem uh, is always the way to solve it. Uh, I think they put a, quite a bit of money into education, and it, it's a deeper, uh, deeper issue than that. It's, you know, you can give everybody the resources that all these resources, uh, but at the same time, you got to give, you know, you have parents that are working two jobs and, and not to get into this, but there's, you know, there's a partnership between the school system and the parents and the kids as well. So that's another subject for another time. But so going to the other end of the strip, Alan, I mean, this all net arena, I, I just, with its close proximity to where the sphere is, I, again, no NBA team, this thing's not getting built. Yeah, I got to tell you, um, I actually do have a history with that project. I was at the Review Journal when Jackie Robinson had his groundbreaking. I attended the groundbreaking. What's interesting, Dana, is it might be Tarkadian's final public appearance. He actually was at the oh. the, the groundbreaking for the Jackie Robinson Arena. I was there. I, I specifically recall covering that story. I was at the county commission meetings when Jackie. Uh, got the approvals to move ahead. Um, as you know, there's like a huge. Uh, there was some excavation that was that was done there. But like you said, I haven't seen. Um, I've seen. You know, obviously, there's been zero construction. And um, I, I mean, I admire uh, this 
this man's uh, commitment yeah. and, and determination to try to realize his project. It's kind of an interesting arena project. Um, he, uh, he, you know, he says it's going to be an arena that is going to have a retractable roof, which is kind of uh, kind of unique uh, in a way. And also, the the hotel project that was going to that was going to be part of this arena project was not going to be a gambling or casino. He had mentioned to me that he wanted you know it to be kind of a center for religious groups and conventions and what have you. Um, and let's face it, I think we do already have a lot of space for conventions, and it's growing. I mean, the uh, Las Vegas Convention Center has a you know they they have their one billion dollar uh, expansion project. And not too far, actually, from the Jackie Robinson Arena, and you have Mandalay Bay and the Sands Expo. So, um, you know, not, I, I, I honestly, I have not really written much about um, you know, just because someone says they're going to do something to me doesn't mean I need to write about it. Because to me, I'm looking at the feasibility of a project, and I, I don't think it's you know based on my experience. It doesn't seem feasible. I'm not going to report on something that I just don't think is going to be realized. I agree, and I. I'm guessing again, but I think for 10 years we've been talking about that arena. And, uh, you know, if if it means getting an NBA team here and, and MGM doesn't, you know, it's it's not going to happen for MGM, I mean, fine. I, I want all the sports teams here. But you and I have been in the bottom of uh, Team Mobile enough to know that NBA locker rooms are built and ready to go, and uh, we'll see what happens. But, Alan, I appreciate your time, and, and thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, Dana, uh, it's always great to talk with you. I enjoy talking uh, about these uh, business issues regarding the uh, sports industry in Las Vegas. And um, RIP, Brian Blessing, you're doing a great job continuing uh, picking up the uh, torch and and picking up the mantle there. So uh, thank you for doing that, Dana. Well, that's the best compliment I could ever receive. So I appreciate that, Alan, and all the best to you. Alan Snell at lvsportsbiz.com. Follow him and his stories. He does a fantastic job. He's been doing it for years. I really respect uh, his uh, his ability to dig deeper on these stories, which he certainly has done with the Arena Project. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break. Up next, four-time Emmy Award-winning Fox 5 sports anchor, Vince Sapienza, will join us. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to stationcasinosports.com or sign up at any station casino or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Dakota. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous steak bomb and other premium deli subs with grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. 
Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you. Hey, Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our power play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a power play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag Adam Kuttner power play. And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter. Go Knights, go! Calling all Vegas Golden Knights superfans for the Terribles game day giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree. Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game. Terribles game day giveaway. It's only at Terribles. Visit Terribles.com for more details. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at at any station, casino, or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Now, Justin, I I love this now. Yeah. A little Seek and Destroy by Metallica. That came out in, what, 83? 82, 83, something like that. Oh, man. man, they had no idea what was in front of them at that point. This came out on Megaforce Records. The great Eddie Trunk used to work for uh, Megaforce. I'm not sure if he was there at the time. I think he was. I know the, the guy who used to run Megaforce uh, passed away recently. I just, I don't know. Someday we'll do a music show. I'm down. 100% down. Yeah, I know. I know. Welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline. I'm Dana Lane from the Brian Blessing Studio, brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. And our last guest of the week was certainly not... Last in uh, my enthusiasm for having him on. I haven't talked to him in a little bit, but following him, of course, on social media. Our next guest is four-time Emmy Award-winning Fox 5 Sports anchor, 
Let's welcome in the great Vince Sapiens. And Vince, uh, you, I know you got a young family. I mean, how is how are you balancing family life and, and working for Fox Five? And I mean, it, it's a daily balancing act, isn't it? Yeah. Well, well morning, guys. Uh, great to talk to you. I know it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, when it was COVID, it was my my station was essentially my office. So. I was here 24/7 with the kiddos, and which was a blessing in disguise. Being able to see them, you know, grow in their young years. Uh, work was a little more difficult uh, in those days, but now that you know we're kind of getting back to that normalcy, the balance has been, I, I would say, a lot better. So, uh, so all good on that front. Yeah, the Knights haven't let you in back into the locker rooms, have they yet? I know the NFL has changed that this year, but uh, I don't think the Knights have nope, let not- everybody in yet. Yeah, not yet, but the good news, you know, the masks are off now when we go into uh, the press conference room, so we get to actually, you know, see everyone's faces and and actually have some conversations and, you know, get to ask the questions we need and want to ask with players and coaches. So slowly but surely, uh, we're getting there. Uh, You've covered so many events in this town, and I wonder when you look back, which one do you say, I was really lucky to be part of that? Boy, that's a really good question. That's a <laughs> that's a really good question. You know, uh, well, you know, two or three. covering 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 a Stanley Cup final game uh, in Vegas year one was probably the most surreal thing I think I've ever experienced. Just from you know, we're storytellers, right? And so the story was far above anything Hollywood could write. I mean, it was just absolutely incredible. And then to see it in, see it from my vantage point and, you know, seeing 40, 41, you know, home games, then traveling with the team for the entirety of their postseason run. And then seeing that first game at T-Mobile Arena and, and the way the fans just, yeah. the reception and they played, it was I mean, thinking about it now still gives me goosebumps yeah. that, that first game one. It was incredible. I mean, it really, it's the stuff that movies are made of. It, it's something that nobody expected to have happened, and you have to give a lot of credit. And, of course, we, you know, we're honest with our opinions, but we have to get a lot of, give a lot of credit to George McPhee and the way he constructed that team. And he knew, I want to get guys in here that have a chip on their shoulder with something to prove. And all the way from the head coach and in front office, uh, even himself in some ways, uh, to the players like William Carlson that really never got a chance to prove himself in Columbus, everybody came in here and said, let's do this thing. I mean, and hey, you got to give them a lot of credit on that. And, and really, I guess the flip side of that is now, now this town – expects this to happen every single year uh, and that's going to be very very difficult in the, in the nhl which they'll find out yeah i think you know fans are finding out right now right i mean not every year is a magical year where everything kind of works out really nicely and i think you know i, I forget who i was talking to but i said you know this is more of a true NHL team right now in terms of the highs, the lows, the battle to get in, uh, it's not smooth sailing all the time. So I think fans are getting their first true taste of what it's like. But, you know, then you, you bring up, you know, that first year and chips on their shoulder and things like that. And, and I hate to say it, but this is what I'm seeing. You just don't see the chips uh, on this team's shoulders. Even a team that's currently outside of a playoff picture, you're still not 
seen the desperation. I know they're injured, but most of their team is still there. The leaders that are on the team are playing right now. And I, from my vantage point, still have not seen the desperation level rise to where it needs to. Because when you go back to that year one team, and again, it's apples to oranges at this point. We're so far removed. But every regular season game, one through 82, they were the most desperate team on the ice. And that translates to, you know, the hardest working team on the ice, which became their moniker. And, uh, you know, while they have probably a higher level of, of star talent and superstar talent, you know, those lunch pail guys, those blue-collar guys where, you know, the Brad Houghtons and the Will Carriers, you know, those guys are getting hurt, and you're not seeing that part of the identity anymore. That's not to say the top-level guys aren't working hard, but you get what I mean. There's, there's a visual yeah. eye test that, that either passes or, or doesn't, and right now, as a team, as a whole, that consistency hasn't been there, hasn't been there all year. Again, the in and outs of the lineup, but no matter – my, my thought process is, is no matter who's in the lineup, you can still have that thought process. Anybody can forecheck. Anybody can go into the boards, dig out a puck, and work hard. It's been the consistency. It's been trying to find that perfect rhythm of uh, when to go, when to stay, when to work, when to that kind of thing that, that just hasn't been there. The Golden Knights are obviously running out of time in, in this playoff hunt. Uh, if they take care of business, they still got a really, really good shot. Problem is, everybody in the West continues to win. I don't know what's going on. It's crazy everybody what happened. Everybody in the Pacific Division continues to win last night. The Kings continue <laughs> to pick up points when they sh- when they seemingly yeah. shouldn't. Go to so, Calgary uh, and win. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, getting three out of four in, in Alberta in, in a span of less than 48 hours, you know, good for the Kings, but the Golden Knights, can't worry about that. They they have to get another two tonight in Seattle. And the worst part about that is when when you know say L A and Edmonton are head to head. You think okay, well somebody's somebody's going to get the goose egg tonight, and then they end up going to overtime. And that was the worst case yeah. scenario. I mean, the, the Knights have not had any help by anybody, uh, and thankfully for them, they continue to win. I will say this about the chip on the shoulder in relation to where they are now. That first-year team, to put things into a nutshell, I thought acted as if they were offended when you came into the offensive zone, and they couldn't wait for you (laughs) to get out. They were even more offended when you scored and livid when they lost. That, to me, is a difference. And maybe, like anything else, Vince, you you can't recruit or you can't buy or you can't acquire a that sort of chemistry you can hope you can put skilled players on the ice but there's a certain chemistry you can you can name every just about every nhl team uh, even if you have the star power of the former of the penguins teams who had you know crosby and malkin i mean you could say that but then every time you would say Crosby and Malkin, you would have to say Latang, and you would have to say all these guys that played bottom six roles that were, were instrumental in, in them winning Stanley Cups. I, you know, I think, and I will say this, when 
I heard well two things I heard Shane Knighty the game against Columbus make a comment about Columbus and how hard they were playing and even though they were far at the at that time they were only 10 points behind Washington for a playoff spot but there was this belief that hey we're starting to play better Washington's starting to falter maybe we can get into the postseason and he makes the comment about how hard they're working and I never and it kind of stuck with me because I thought why are you not saying that about the Golden Knights? Do you not see that they're working hard? And that, to me, was, I think, a combination of a bunch of new guys and new positions with a, you know, TOI that they've never had before and an intense playoff battle still trying to figure things out. There are pockets of time, Vince, where I still think they're a little bit soft. I think... There, there are you know five ten minutes maybe uh, in a game where you could say they were just not good, but I am encouraged because for the last at least four or five games, their opposition has had trouble not only winning the game but getting shots on net. I mean, I I don't think they gave up ten shots on net uh, not until halfway through the game in their in their last game against uh, against Seattle. So, I mean, those things, yeah. at least that's indicating to me you're carrying the puck, you're playing well defensively, and you're not giving the opposition a lot of room. That That's a positive, at least, moving forward. Yeah, and I think I think what we've seen this year, again, it goes back to, you know, fans don't want to talk about the injuries, right? You know, nobody cares, all that kind of thing. But when you look at the season, the injuries are going to be the theme of the, uh, of the entire campaign. And and for good reason, because when you have the injuries that the Golden Knights have had, you get a lot of hero hockey. You get a lot of guys that feel like they need to do more than they did before because this guy, X, Y, and Z is out of the lineup, et cetera, et cetera. Guys are moving up and down. And I think we saw a lot of hero hockey, which, kind of, which creates a lot of discombobulation, the word I like to get in when I can, discombobulation in the lineup. And, you know, when you're trying to find consistency and there isn't any, it's hard to, to put that production on the ice. I think what we've seen is is recently is twofold. One, I think you don't have Henderson Silver Knights playing uh, big minutes for the Golden Knights in the middle of a playoff run. As much credit as those kids should get for the work that they've done, um, you, you, you need NHL defenders this time of year. The games get tighter, chances become more uh, scarce, and any mistake ends up in the back of your net. That's what we've seen uh, in the last month with the Golden Knights and their losses. Any mistake that was made, it was in the back of their net. And that's not just all on the Silver Knights guys that were being brought up, but it goes back to that consistency. When you have guys trying to play more, when, you, when you're when you running three lines instead of four, then you know guys are, are starting to get taxed, guys are starting to do a little bit more to create a little bit more comfort and room for themselves. So I think getting guys like Alex Martinez and Braden McNabb I mean, the team looks the team the team in Seattle in in the second and third period looked like a completely different team than we've watched for the last two months. First period wasn't great, very slow, but but the last forty minutes looked like yeah. an entirely different team, and that's with an as good as Logan Thompson has been. That is with an AHL goaltender. So I, I think that has been part of it. The other thing that I you know I know has been talked a lot about in the national media. But hasn't necessarily been talked about as what it's done. Is this a Guinea Dodonov, uh <laughs> just mayhem that we saw at the trade deadline? Yep. Everybody's talking about how well it's made Dodonov play. 
But I think it really became a rallying point for this entire team because this team loves that guy. He doesn't talk a lot. He doesn't say a lot. But they love him. Head coach Pete DeBoer swears by this guy, and this is a guy who's been around him for 15-plus years. So they love him. So when that whole thing went down, then he came back. I think one of the biggest reasons that Donovan was able to continue his success from pre-deadline was because of how much support he got in the room. And that's, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, year one, every night was a rallying point for a player, every single time. So you literally got a bunch of guys playing for one. And I think that's what we've seen kind of in a microcosm with this Dodonov thing is they, they've really rallied around that guy. When you rally around one, his play gets better. When you see other guys have success, all of a sudden, you know, you're, it's contagious, right? So I think that's why you've seen kind of a, a, a snowball of wins here uh, in the last little bit. Yeah, but don't look now. Uh, there's only four four guys that are listed on the injury report. So uh, they're important. I mean, Patch Reddy and Riley Smith and, and Stone and, and, and Nick Haig. I mean, those are, you know, big names, especially uh, the first three. But, uh, you know, the injury excuse is getting, you know, little by little. It's difficult to say that. And I do know this. I mean, you're right, too, uh, Vince, about you, you don't want to – you lean on the injury factor, but I guarantee that if, if a fan is arguing with their buddy, that's the first thing they'll go to as an excuse. My my question, and you talked about Logan Thompson a little bit earlier. I really love the evolution of his of his play. He's still a little a little bit raw. Can he get better? Yeah, I absolutely think he can get better. But I definitely think he's closer to being you know one A than he is number three again. I mean Logan Thompson is going to be here for a while. So my question is, has Laurent Brassois played his last game here in Vegas? It's a great question, and and I want to lean yes at this point. I mean Logan Thompson, if he showed us nothing else, he is more than competent as a number two moving forward. And if his uh, trajectory and growth over the last three, four years has proved anything, then, then yeah, I mean, I, I don't see how you can, you can put him in the AHL at this point moving forward. I mean, he is handling big-time minutes, big-time games, and big-time moments. And, you know, Pete DeBoer earlier on called him a battler, right? I mean, he's a guy that just kind of – it always doesn't always look pretty, but, but it's getting the job done. He's may, maybe not the most technically sound guy, but – he keeps pucks out of the net and you know, he's had a little fun with the media and people that have been talking about him on- online after he had a couple of rough games. I'm well aware. And you love to hear that. You love to hear that because that's the guy who's sitting there saying, I know how good I can be here. Here it is. And, and he, and he's showing again in the middle in games, that the golden Knights. if they don't win these games, the golden Knights are out of the playoffs. Like they're not even, they're not even part of the conversation right now, but he started, his last seven games, he, he's uh, five. Uh, he, yeah, five of his last seven. I mean, he is—he's rolling right now, and I think it's fantastic. I think it bodes really well for the Golden Knights from a cap situation moving forward because they got—they signed him to that contract extension on a super team-friendly deal yep. um, about a couple months ago with Braden McNabb. And so, moving forward, I don't see how he's not your number two behind Robin Leonard and. Uh, yeah, I just think uh, I, 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 it's kind of unbelievable 
his his growth. And, you know, for anybody who doesn't know his story, go and look it up where he's played. I mean, he's played everywhere. And I was talking to Darren Elliott a few weeks ago, and I go, how good is this guy? <laughs> he he yeah. kind of looked at me and he goes, I mean, he's, he's, only, he's only ever trended upward. He just continues to take step by step, and I think that's a great thing. And I know nobody's, you know, the diehard fans are going to kind of gasp about what I'm going to say. But when I watch him, he kind of looks like a flurry. He's like a little jittery, super athletic, uh, makes saves with every different part uh, of his limbs and, and pads and things like that. And he's kind of just going all over the place. And when you watch him in practice, man, he's fun to watch in practice because he's having fun. And, you know, the guy who has the most fun practicing is a guy named Marc-Andre Fleury. So, um, again, not comparing him to the flower at, at this stage, even by a little bit. But you see, you see the, the athleticism and what he can bring. And, and I think it does does bode well for the Golden Knights moving forward. We're talking to Vince Sapienza from Fox 5. And Vince, so what about this scenario? Say Robin Leonard, uh, who hasn't played in quite a while, uh, kind of falters tonight, maybe gives up four goals to Seattle. What kind of dynamic if Robin, even if they do end up winning, say, a 5-4 game, and Logan Thompson has been so good, I mean, what kind of dynamic does that I mean, is Robin definitely number one at this point? Because, you know, Logan has carried the load for sure. Uh, they're, going to, they're going to lean on Robin. But, boy, I'll tell you, that, that becomes less of a, say, 70-30 situation and may, maybe more of a 55-45 situation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, I just bring the hard-hitting questions. No, I mean, that that's the question everybody's asking right now. I, everybody at my station is kind of asking me the, the exact same thing. And as we're seeing reports, as you ask that question, reports out of Seattle say Logan Thompson is the first goalie off the ice this morning. Oh, there you go. Um, which which points to him uh, making an eighth straight start. Well, that's and interesting, isn't it? Things, I mean, it, it, it's fascinating because I would have told you, had, had I not seen that <laughs> these tweets earlier, I would have said you almost kind of have to go Robin Leonard. If that's the guy you're bringing off IR, that's the guy you, you paid to be the number one. I, I mean, that's the guy who needs to answer the bell and needs to really carry the heavy load. But at the same time, it, it, it's clear Pete DeBoer says the best chance to win tonight is going Logan Thompson again. Um, and, and that goes back to the previous question we were just talking about. What does that say about Logan Thompson? I mean – to have that confidence in your coach, knowing the number one guy is is back, is with the team, is skating, should be the starter, and you take another start away. Uh, that's fascinating to me. I think that's a very big story going into tonight's game. Because to, to your previous scenario, you know, if Robin Leonard started tonight and he had a bad game, then, then yeah, you go back to Logan Thompson. But the fact that they're staying with LT – tonight and uh i guess at least letting letting robin uh not be rushed back which is something pete DeBoer did talk about was one of the big big deals about logan thompson playing so well that they didn't have to rush uh robin leonard back into the lineup but at the same time you know if if you're if you're trying to hunt down a playoff spot and you're making a postseason run you need your number one playing and playing well and you know with 
maybe know, he Baker is. Dozen games, and yeah, maybe. <laughs> but with the Baker's dozen left games left in the season, there's not a lot of time for a guy like Robin Leonard, who's coming off pretty an extensive layoff. There's not a lot of time to to shake off that rust and get back into the swing of things. So this is to me a massive story tonight that Logan Thompson, if Robin Leonard is healthy, we will we don't know, we may not know. Um, but Logan Thompson getting the start tonight against Seattle, or at least projected to, is a very big deal. Yeah, and it's more of a big deal too, Vince, because you would think if Robin was ready to go that this might be the perfect scenario. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You pick your poison, I guess, between Arizona and and Seattle at this point. But you would think that if you, if I'm Pete DeBoer and I have a healthy goaltender, I would definitively, then not even, not even hesitate to put a guy that I thought was my definite number one in goal tonight, but that's not happening. So it only leaves us with two scenarios, Vince. Robin's not 100%, or they believe in Logan Thompson even more right now. And you know what? It may be both those answers. I don't think it necessarily needs to be one or the other. Sure. I think I think, I think think there's a true belief um, with the guys and, and obviously the coaching staff in, in Logan Thompson. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. I think the the bigger question is what what really is the health of Robin Leonard? Obviously, he came back and he skated earlier in the week, took that uh, high shot in the shoulder from Jack Eichel on Tuesday, left practice early. They didn't know if he was going to travel. The fact that he did travel made you think that he was going to get a start against the third-worst team in the National Hockey League. Um, That's clearly not happening. So, uh, boy, yeah. that's for an even inch a more <laughs> a fascinating game tonight. Well, if nothing else, this team has been fantastic to cover, and there's been a story every day. I just want to leave you with this, too, Vince. You know, I'd like to inform you that you and I share a birthday, uh, and I wonder how that fact stacks up against all your other accomplishments. That has to rank high on your list of party brags. Oh, my goodness. That is, yeah. that is massive. I'll give you a uh, minute we, to so Yep. So we share a birthday with Andy Sandberg, awesome, and uh, I believe Robert Redford. Well, that's right. I, there was some tie so, into Roberto Clemente as well. I, I, that's right. Roberto Clemente is is uh, yeah, fellow Leo. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, we're in good company. We're, we're in good company. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, buddy, I appreciate it very much. All the best to you and your family, and we'll talk down the road. Appreciate you, Dana. Be well. Thanks. And there he goes, Vince Sapienza from Fox 5. Once again, we want to thank Terry Gomez. And it's, I, wrote, I didn't know if he was still in a contest or not, so I wrote that down. But Terry Gomez, definitely. Thank you for coming on. Alan Smell from uh, LVSportsBiz.com, Vince Sapienza, and, of course, our good friend Chuck Esposito at the Sportsbook over there at Station Casinos. Make sure you download that STN app this weekend. Hope everybody has a great, great weekend. For Justin... Fantastic job. Thanks for Always. the music. I'm Dana Lane. We'll see you again on Monday. Thanks for joining us. It's the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old